Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. We are so thankful that you're here. Will you stand? Let's worship together. Amen. You guys can be seated for just a couple seconds. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing? Good, good. We are so thankful for Jesus and for the cross and for, the, for coming back from the dead and redeeming us as his own. And because of that, we can say forever, I am yours. Amen. 
Amen. And it's so good to be able to be here at Kavanaugh Church with you this morning to be able to celebrate his victory over death together. And again, we've been praying for you this week. We're so thankful that you're here, and we're excited for what God has in store for us today through the preaching of his word. Um, just a quick, uh, quick little announcement. We've got connect cards in the back or in the chair backs in front of you. If you are a guest or been here, come for a while, have not filled one out yet, we would love to get to know you and be able to share with you all about our church. So if you could fill that out for us and then after service, take it out these back doors and we will have some people there at this connect counter to be able to connect with you and let you know all about our church, what's going on and things that are coming up. And we, we do have several things coming up. So we want to make sure that you are in the know, but we're about to get right back into worship. So I'm going to invite you all to stand right back up. We're going to ask God's blessing on our services this morning. But again, we love you. We've been praying for you this week that God really shows up and does something amazing here today. So let's give it all to Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you so much for bringing us back together, God. We love you and we love our people. Thank you for calling us your own. You are our God and we are your people and we celebrate that today, God. So, Lord, no matter what kind of walk of life that we come from this past week, whether, whether it's a, a great week and we were in sync with everything with, with you and in the Word every single day and everything was going great, or maybe there, there was a few of us this past week that had a rough week, it was very stressful, we we did not connect with you on a daily basis, and maybe today is the first time that some of us have even heard from you today since last Sunday. God, no matter what, you're ready for us today. You're ready to be able to walk in step with us, to be able to be with us on our journey, God. So, Lord, help us to be able to turn our focus and attention onto you this morning and to give you our all. No matter how much that might be, help us to give you our all this morning. We love you, and again, we're so thankful to be here this morning. In your name, amen. Turn around, greet those around you, and we'll be starting here in a second.
Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. The sunset stream. Oh, his set today is Lord I need you and normally Ron's with us and he leads that he's not feeling well um, and Sandy texted me and telling me that he wasn't feeling great and I had plenty of time to change the song in the set but I don't know why but I just felt like this song needed to stay here and I told our team this morning I don't know if it's for one of us or if it's for one of you that you just need to say Lord I need you let me share um, Matthew chapter 11. It says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So for all of us in this room, let us take this time and let us just sing, Lord, I need you more than anything else in my life, more than air that I breathe. I need you this morning. Let's sing together.
we thank you, Father, just for the air that we breathe, that you take care of us in every aspect of our life, and you give us our daily provisions, guidance, and salvation for us. You are our only hope. Lord, my prayer today is that the weary and the heavy-hearted would find rest in you today. And all of us would take the time to say, Lord, we need you. Oh, we need you every hour. We praise you in this place today. For you alone are worthy of our worship. In Jesus' name. Ms. Angie, thanks for uh, keeping that song in the set. We, we need that because we all need the Lord. I just, I just love hearing Ron lead us in that song, don't you? And uh, we'll, we'll pray for healing in, in Ron's body. I'm uh, praying for you today as well. I'm doing a, a series through the month of January that coincides with our motto for this year, Read It With Me in 23. We've made a commitment to read through the Bible, and I'm asking that you read your Bible along with me, and by the end of the year, we're going to have read through the entire Bible. We're doing this for several reasons. Uh, Main reason is we want to hear God's voice. We need His instruction in our life. Uh, Ronnie, it's not something we're just doing to check it off our list. We're really reading God's Word because we want to hear from Him. And today, specifically, I want to talk to you about getting guidance from God. So this week, I want us to discover how you can know God's will for your life. There's a lot of confusion, but fortunately, there is a simple six-step process found in the Bible in the little-known book of the Old Testament called Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter 1, Habakkuk asked God a series of questions. He's asking for guidance. In chapter 2, he does these simple six things to prepare himself to hear God speak. And if you'll do the same six things, you'll find God speaking to you in your life as well. And then in chapter 3, he gets the answer that he so desperately needs from the Lord. So, are you ready? Let's find out what these six simple steps are in the process of getting guidance from God. We're going to read it in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Here's what Habakkuk said. I will climb up into my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Heavenly Father, thank you for this great word. I pray that as I speak it on the outside, you will speak it directly into our hearts. Help us, dear Lord, to take these six steps so that we can know your will for our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here in two verses, we have this simple six-step process in order to get guidance from God. Now, I'm not just up here today talking. I'm up here today instructing. And what you need to do is write it down, all right? Write these six things down. You can can do it on your phone right there. Pull your phone out. Write these six things. Take a piece of paper. Write it down because we want you to implement these six steps into your daily life. So if you want to hear from God and get guidance from God, six things you need to do. Number one, and I can tell you're right on the edge of your seat. You can't wait for number one. Really? They're real simple. Number one, I want, I want, I want to hear from God. I must want to hear from the Lord. I must be willing to listen. I've got to have this great desire, this, this burning hunger in my soul to hear from God. Because it all starts with this desire that comes in our heart, wanting to hear from the Lord. 
Habakkuk starts with these words, I will, I will. Say that out loud with me on three. One, two, three. I will. I will climb up into my watchtower. In other words, what he's saying is this. I am deciding that I'm going to listen to God. It is a deliberate choice that Habakkuk is making. And the point is you're never going to hear God unless you want to hear God. It's that simple. God speaks to those who want to hear from him. So it all starts with this desire in your own heart. Two weeks ago, we talked about this. God speaks to people who decide in advance they're going to do whatever it is God tells them to do when he speaks to them and tells them. God doesn't speak to people who say, God, tell me what you want. Tell me your plan and your purpose for my life, and I'll evaluate it. I'll compare it to a couple of other plans that I've come up with, and and I'll decide if I'm going to follow your plan. No, God speaks to the person who says, God, you tell me what you want, and I'm going to do it, period. So it's an attitude of saying yes, even before you know what it is God is telling you to do. You know what you're doing? You're giving God a blank check. Lord, I I don't know what you want with my life. I don't know what you want with my career, my family, my job. Lord, I don't know what school you want me to go to. I don't know what person you want me to marry. I'm just laying it before you. And whatever you want, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. God says, that's the person I'm going to speak to. Let me ask you a really personal question. How serious are you about hearing from God today? You say, well, it'd be nice. (laughs) I mean, that'd be a nice thing to hear from the Lord. That'd be really nice. Well, can I tell you, nice is not enough. Is it a nicety to hear from God for you, or is it a necessity for you that you hear from God? The person God speaks to is the person who really wants to know and desires to do God's will above anything. There is a burning passion a hunger in your soul to hear from God. You want to hear from God more than anything else. In the Bible, God called David a man after my own heart. Have you read that statement that God made about David? David is a man after my own heart. Why why did he call David that? Was it because David was perfect? Absolutely not. David was a picture of imperfection. He, he committed adultery with this woman. He, he had seen her from his rooftop and desired her, committed adultery with her, and then, to cap it off, he murdered her husband. No, David was far from perfect. So why did God say, this is a man after my own heart? Why? Because David was passionate about hearing from God. It wasn't a nicety for David. It was a necessity that David hear the Lord. And as you read through the book of Psalms, most of which David wrote, you can hear this or pick this up. David says, I long to hear from you, Lord. I desire to hear from you. I I like this little phrase he said, like a deer pants after the water, so my thirst, my heart is thirsting after you, Lord. David said, I want to know your will more than anything else. And so like David, you need to desire to hear from the Lord more than anything else in your life. God, I want it. I want to hear from you. Let me do a little quick time out. You are as close to God as you want to be. And if you're not as close to God as you need to be, it ain't nobody's fault but your own. It all starts with that hunger, that desire. You've got to want it. The the second step in getting guidance from God that we learned from Habakkuk is number two, I withdraw. Not only do I want, but I withdraw. That means you get alone in a quiet place. Here's what Habakkuk said. I will climb up into my watchtower. Now, I think he physically did that. I think he physically climbed up into a, a tower. It's like when I go to Mount Magazine and climb up to the highest point, and I lay on that bench that's up there and say, Lord, I'm not leaving until I hear from you. 
So he's climbing up into his watch. Some, some theologians believe, however, this is a Hebrew expression that means I'm going to get alone. I'm going to get above it all. I'm going to withdraw and get into a quiet place. And here's the point. The point is you can't hear God's voice if you are surrounded by and inundated with noise. That's why you've got to find a quiet place. Would you agree with me that it could be pretty tough finding a quiet place in today's world with all the noise we have? How about just in your own house? Sometimes it's hard to find a quiet place in your own house, isn't it? Parents who have little kids know this. So let me just give you a word of encouragement, parents. From the story of the life of Susanna Wesley, she had 18 children. That's not the encouraging part. (laughs) However, two of her sons changed world history. John Wesley became the founder of the Methodist Church, and his brother Charles Wesley wrote hundreds of Christian hymns and songs, some of which we still sing today. Both of them attributed their love for God to their mother's passionate love for God. She prayed every day. Now, how do you find time to withdraw and pray every day, Whitney, when you got 18 kids in the house? Not only to find time to do it, but find a a place in your house where there's 18 kids. Here's what Susanna Wesley did. Every afternoon, she went into the the family room, and she had a rocking chair in the middle of that room, and she sat down in the rocking chair. She wore a long apron from her shoulder down to her feet, and she would take that apron and pull it up over her head. And the kids knew if mama is sitting in the rocking chair and she's got the apron over her head, she's having her quiet time with God. She's praying to God. She's talking to the Lord. And if we mess with mama, if we interrupt mama when she's got the apron on her head, we die. (laughs) That's how she did it. You know what? You need to do it too. However you do it, you've got to decide to withdraw. This is not something that's just going to automatically happen in your life. And I doubt very seriously if it happens easily either because the devil doesn't want you to withdraw. So he's going to fight it tooth and nail, but you've got to find a way. Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I read where G. Campbell Morgan, the great preacher, wrote as a commentary to that, as was his custom. Jesus had to do that. You know what? Jesus was God. So if Jesus had to find a time every day to get alone and talk to his heavenly Father, how much more do you and I need that in our life? Here's the truth. God is far more willing to talk to you than you are to listen to him. Are you with me? Did you hear that? I'm telling you, God wants to talk to you. He desires to talk to you. But you need to spend the time listening to him. You need to get alone with him and listen to the Lord. You need to be able to withdraw and find a place to be with the Lord and get alone with God. The more I do this, the more I need it in my life. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, there was a a trend across our nation for billboards to go up along highways, and whoever was putting these billboards up were believers, and they they were leaving these billboards as a message from God. Do you remember reading those? It doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Maybe it was, but you would see a billboard that says, we need to talk, dot, 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 God. Remember that? How about this one? Love the wedding, now invite me to the marriage. Or what about this one? What part of you shall not did you not understand? That was a good one. One of my favorites was the last time things were this messed up, I sent a flood. That'll kind of get your attention, isn't it? It's one thing to hear God speak, and if withdrawing to a quiet place is all that we need to hear God speak, that would be a snap. 
But, but those are just the first two of six things that you need to do in order to hear from God. The next thing you need to do is you need to calm yourself down. That's the third step. I wait. I wait. I want to hear from God. I withdraw to a quiet place, and there I wait. I calm myself and my thoughts and my emotions. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will wait. In other words, I'm going to wait to hear from God. I'm going to calm myself. I'm going to clear my mind from the busyness of this world, and I'm going to wait to hear from the Lord. The NIV says, I will station myself. What does that mean? Well, it means that I'm just going to have to stay put. <laughs> I, I decide I'm going to be still. I'm, I'm not going to move until I hear God. Why is that important? Well, it's important because hurry is the death of prayer. The reason why you don't hear God is because you're in too big of a hurry. God, listen, I've got a busy schedule today, and I'm going to slide you in right here, Lord, between these, these two things, and I've got two minutes for you, God. It doesn't work like that. I said it before, I'll say it again. Hurry is the death of prayer. The truth is very simple. God speaks to people who take the time to listen to him. God speaks to people who want to hear from the Lord. And if you don't take time to listen, God's not going to talk to you, period. You've got to want it. You've got to withdraw to a quiet place where you can get away from all the noise and the distractions. And then you wait on the Lord. You calm yourself down. You have to take time to listen. What do you do while you're waiting? Just twiddle your thumbs? No, here's some suggestions from God's Word. Four things I'm going to throw on the board. What do you do while you're waiting? Number one, you just get still before God. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. In the Hebrew, that, that phrase, be still, literally means let your hands hang low. What, what do we usually do? We throw our hands up in frustration. We try to use our hands to fix the problem. God says, just be still. Don't do anything. Number two, you wait quietly. Psalm 60, verse 2, I will wait quietly before God. My hope is in Him. What do you do while you're waiting? Number three, you wait patiently. Psalms 37, verse 7, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. And then number four, you wait expectantly. Psalm 105, I will wait expectantly trusting God to help for He has promised. Now, I don't know about you, but, but this is a hard step for me because I'm a fixer. I like to be doing things. I, I have a hard time just sitting still for any length of time. So it's really hard for me to do this. It's really hard for me to calm myself down because I just had a, a, some battery acid to drink in my office. It's a monster drink. You know, one of those, I call it battery acid, David hypes me up. I, I, I like to go. I like to do. So it's hard for me to be still and be quiet. Y'all aren't getting this. Got a good cowboy friend up in Missouri. He's, he's a, he was a really good shooter. Cowboy, you know him, Willie Mescal. He was, he's a good shooter, but in the last two years, he's just, he's stepped it up a notch and he's gotten, he's gotten really good. And so I was asking him yesterday, I said, Willie, what, what have you done? I know you practice a lot but, and you shoot all the time, but what else have you done to become such a, an elite cowboy shooter? And he thought about it and he said, holy smoke, I've learned to control my adrenaline. And I, and I did, I just looked at him like. He said, no, you, you think about it. You've got to go fast in this sport of cowboy action shooting. But if you're tense to, to go to fast, you mess up. You've got to be smooth. You've got to be calm. You've got to be cool. I said, yeah, that's hard for a nerd <laughs> like me to be cool. But it's so true. You, you slow down. You empty your mind. You control your adrenaline. 
God says, if you want to hear from me, here's, here's what you get. You've got to desire it more than anything. You've got to find a quiet place, and you've got to wait. You've got to be still. You've got to calm your mind. Number four, you ready for four? You're writing these down, aren't you? Okay. Number four, I watch. N notice the fourth thing Habakkuk does. He says in verse one, I will look to see what he will say to me. That's weird. Why does he say that? I will look to see what he will say to me. Isn't that weird? I mean, would you read this out loud with me? Let's read it together. I will look to see what he will say. It. Read it again, out loud, really loud. Is that kind of strange to you? I mean, what, what does he mean by that? What, what? It doesn't make sense. Doesn't it make more sense to say, I will listen to what God says? That makes sense, doesn't it? So why does it say, I'm going to look, I'm going to look to see what God says? Very important point. God's voice is often visual. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that sometimes God speaks to you by putting a mental image into your brain, a picture into your mind. Sometimes that's the way God speaks. He, he gives you a picture. Some of you are going, this is weird. Preacher, you're weird. God putting a picture in my mind. What, how could God do? God would never do. Listen, if NASA can receive pictures from Mars and Jupiter, don't you think God can put a picture in your brain? If NBC can take a picture of New York City, send it up to the sky, to these satellites, and bounce it around, and that picture show up in your living room on your TV, don't you think God can put a picture in your head? I mean, of course he can. And the Bible is full of examples of God giving people a mental picture when they are praying. In the Bible, it's called a vision. Abraham received a vision from God of what his ancestry would look like and be like. Joseph, Jacob, Job, David, they all had visions from God. God gave visions or mental pictures to all of the prophets. You say, well, all those are old guys. In anybody in the New Testament? Sure. Have you ever heard of Peter, Paul, and Mary? Okay, that, that's, that's showing my age, isn't it? If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Peter, Paul, and Mary. Would you do that? Not only were they a singing group in the 60s, they're also found in the New Testament. And you know what? They all got an image, a vision, a picture from God. If there's anything that you need in your life right now, it is perspective. Because most of the time you go through life with a tiny little narrow vision, seeing only this much of your problem and how your life fits into the scheme of this world. And if anybody can give you the big picture, if there's anybody who can give you the big perspective on life, it's God. Because he sees it all. And when you see the whole picture, the big perspective, all of a sudden it puts your problem and your life into perspective and you see it in the scheme of things. So how do you get perspective from God? You let God give you a picture. You let him fill your mind with wonders beyond your conception. The, the Bible says, open my eyes so that I may see the wonderful truths in your word. That's what it means to watch and pray. Again, I'm, I'm, it seems like I'm having a hard time conveying this to you. Let me put it like this. I'm the kind of guy who needs to see the picture. You give me a list of instructions to do one, two, three, four, and five. I get messed up. I put the bracket on the wrong part. But you give me a picture and a picture of how things go together, I can do it. Thank God for YouTube videos. Man, I've, I've become a, a, a great gunsmith because of YouTube videos. I've, I've tried things mechanically that I probably shouldn't have tried, but I've seen it on YouTube, and I think, I can do that. 
That's the way my mind works. You show me a picture and, and, and I can do it. And you know what? God does that for me sometimes. He visually allows me to see, not just hear. And I'm so thankful he does that. So here it is. I want. I want to hear from God. I withdraw. I find a quiet place to remove all the distractions. I wait before the Lord and I watch for what he's going to say to me. And then there's a fifth thing that Habakkuk teaches us about getting guidance from God. I write. That is, I record the ideas that he gives me. Here's what he says in verse 2. The Lord gave me this answer. Write down clearly on tablets what I have revealed to you. And guess what? Because Habakkuk was obedient, because he wrote it down, we have the book of Habakkuk in our Bible. That's what it's all about. Habakkuk asked God a question, God gave him an answer, and he writes it down. This, by the way, is, is called the spiritual habit of journaling. Y'all know that? It's a habit that many great Christians have done for centuries. I don't know, when I was young in my Christian life, I, I kind of brushed off or rejected the idea of journaling because all I could identify with are, you know, writing in a diary. And that's what my sister did. And she locked it. And one day I found the key. And I opened it. And it started World War III in our house. Huh? And so, you know, for, I thought for guys, guys don't, they don't write in diaries. They don't journal. But you know what? Yes, they do. This is a habit that will help refresh your prayer life. But don't make it too complicated. It's a simple thing, so keep it simple. You, you simply write down what you're saying to God. And you write down what God says to you. And there are great benefits in your life for journaling. It helps you focus your thoughts when you write things down. I don't know about you. Does this happen to you? Sometimes thoughts get tangled up in my brain. But if I say them with my lips or I write them down with my fingertips, they become disentangled. And they start making sense. So there it is. You, you can do that, and it makes sense to you what God is saying to you. And, and besides all that, if you write it down, you can remember what God said. I, I don't know about you, but I, I forget a lot of times what God has told me, and I, I need to write it down so I can go back and reread it because I don't want to make that mistake again. God taught me a lesson. I need to record it, write it down, remember it. This habit also helps us pass on a spiritual legacy to our kids. They can see your faith journey because you've journaled it. You've, you've written it down. The, the Bible says in Psalms 102 verse 18, write these things down for the future so that people who are not yet born will praise the Lord. My dad does this. My dad journals every day. Can you believe that? My dad, the, the renegade rebel that my dad was when he was growing he, he does that. Every day he journals. And, and every Christmas, the middle granddaughter, my middle daughter Callie, buys dad a journal every year. She's done it for years, brand new journal. He doesn't care about any of the other gifts we give him. All he cares about is that journal from Callie. She'll write him a note in the front of the journal. But then every day, every day, he writes in that journal. You know what he's going to pass on? To his family and his grandkids and his great-grandkids his legacy it, it is absolutely priceless besides all that if you're doing this as you're reading through the Word of God you're writing it down you know what you're doing you're writing your own personal commentary to God's Word you've done that you did it last year you're doing it you're, that's your book you're gonna write God, God's devotional book according to Jason Armstrong. I love it. Here are the steps so far. I want to hear from God. I withdraw. I wait. I watch. I write. And then number six, I worship. That is, I, I thank God for speaking to me. Because here, here, let me tell you, look at me. Everybody look at me. If you do these five things, God is going to speak to you. And here is the natural response from hearing from God. I worship him. This is what Habakkuk did in chapter 3, verse 2. He says, O oh Lord, now I have heard your report. I worship you in awe. 
Because when you hear from God, when you receive a response from God, when God answers the question, when God shows you his good, acceptable, and perfect will, you know what? You love him all the more, and you do worship him. Now, what we talked about today will revolutionize your prayer life if you do it. It's one thing for you to sit here and listen, and okay, I've checked that off my list. It's another thing to do it. And I challenge you to do this. If you will start following these six steps, it will turn your prayer life from a monologue to a dialogue. It will turn your prayer life into a personal conversation with God. And yes, God will speak to you. And you can understand not only his word, but his perfect will for your life. So I challenge you to go home do this start doing it today and having heard no yes we will responses here's what i'm going to do look at me i double dog dare you to do it that'll get you to do it won't it you've got to accept a double dog dare And the reason I'm double-dog daring you is because I know what the results will be. I know God will speak. It's going to change your life. And what I want in return is for you to come back and say, you know what? I I did these things. I I made it a desire from my heart. I I waited on the Lord. I, I spent time in his word. I listened to him. And here's what God has told me. I want you to come back and tell me what God told you. Tell me how this has changed your life because I guarantee you it will. Now, it's a different kind of sermon than I normally preach. It's kind of a teaching sermon, challenging sermon to do something. I want you to do this. But let me pivot at this point and end my sermon this way. I said last week, for you to hear God, you got to know God. Does that make sense? If you really want to hear from God, the prerequisite is that you know him. You can't hear from God unless you know God. And the only way you can know God is by having a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to God. And so for you to hear from God, you've got to know Jesus as your savior. You've got to pray to him and invite him into your heart. Commit your life to him. And when you do that, a lot of things happen. One of the things that happens is your relationship with God the Father changes. All of a sudden, it has changed from just being a creation from God into God becoming your father. You become his child. And what does a father want to do? He wants to talk to his kids. But it all begins... When you invite Jesus into your heart. And that's where I want to end this sermon today. Have you done that? We we did cowboy shoot yesterday out at the old Fort Gun Club. We we came to the church, Cavanaugh Church. There's a little Cavanaugh Church out there. There's actually a sign on the the church. It says Cavanaugh Church, Pastor Holy Smoke. So it's kind of our place out there. And, and every time we get to the church on our monthly matches, I'm, I'm reading the scenarios of how we're going to shoot the church. And Keenan, by the way, it was a hard scenario. You needed God's help with that one. I said to the people before I read it, I said, well, y'all know, you know what's coming because every month when we come to the church, I preach a sermon to you. And they, yeah, yeah, yeah. About 15 people there. I said, here's what I want to say to you today. Back back when I was a kid, I had a pastor, E.E. Zellers, who was, was, he was a bold soul winner. He witnessed and he challenged the people of the Westside Free Will Baptist Church to be a soul winner for Jesus, to go out and invite people to come to Jesus Christ. And here's what he taught us. It was the Romans road, plan of salvation. But here's what he taught us to say to people, to ask them the simple question, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? I said in our modern day, we've kind of shied away from that because we don't, we don't want to be offensive. We don't want to offend anybody. But you know what? It really is a pretty good question. 
something you kind of need to think about. If, if you were to die today, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? Because I said to him, you know what? You, you're going to die. Now, this was fresh on their minds because just a couple of weeks ago, a, a good cowboy friend of ours died. He's from Oklahoma, John West. B- Black River Jack was his name. Had a stroke, died. Just before we shot yesterday, we did something kind of weird. Angie thinks everything we do out there is weird. <laughs> but when John died, his body was cremated. And his best shooting buddy is a guy named Peddler Parsons. And Peddler Parsons asked John's wife, Can I have some of John's ashes? And she gave him a little vial of his ashes. Peddler Parsons went home and he made 14 black powder shotgun shells. And he put in each one of those 14 shells some of John's remains. Because here's what John wanted. He told Peddler this. I want my remains to be shot out over the gun range in Fort Smith. And so Peddler Parsons picked seven of us out. I, I, had, I was one of them, had my shotgun. I put the st- <laughs> See you, John. <laughs> put those two shells in. We, it was weird, man. We, we lined up, all seven of us, and on three, we bang. There went John. Bang. See you later, buddy. John is permanently a part of my shotgun now. It's pretty weird, isn't it? But it's pretty cool, too. you got to admit. But you know what? That, that was on their mind. They, we just lost a good friend. John's spending eternity somewhere. I pray John made the right decision. Here's the deal. I don't want any of you to have to stand before God and say to the Lord on Judgment Day, well, nobody ever told me. Eh, He ain't going to buy that. Because here's here's the way I feel about it. Please understand, this is my heart. If you go to hell, it's going to be over my dead body. Because more than anything else, I want you in heaven. I do. I I want you to go to heaven. I want you to be there. To do that, you've got to know Jesus. And it's not tough. God didn't make it difficult. It's as simple as ABC. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus can save you. Confess him as Lord of your life. Really, if you want to know the truth, that's the the easy part, the simple part. The hard part is then living for the Lord every day. But he helps us with that too. Because when we get into his word, we hear from him. When we're in his word, he's walking with us. When we're in his word, he's giving us these visions, these pictures, these images. His Holy Spirit is leading us. And no matter what we face, we can make it. Because Jesus is with us. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads, close your eyes. Two things this morning. Number one, if you're here and you are a believer, will you accept this challenge? And I think it's important for you to come publicly and affirm this, to come down and pray and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to come into your presence because I want to hear from you. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to wait. I'm going to watch. I'm going to write. And then when you speak to me, I'm going to worship. Will you come and make a commitment to do that daily? And then secondly, and even more importantly, Will you invite Jesus into your heart if you're not a Christian? I invite you to come today and know for sure where you're going to spend eternity. Maybe you're here today and you've just been away from God and you need to come home. He's waiting with outstretched arms. Will you come? Heavenly Father, please help us to respond to your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? As soon as you stand up, step out. Come on. Let's come together and pray. Come now.
We do need you every hour, every moment. We need you, Lord. And we cry out to you now. Please hear our plea, answer our prayers. Lord, fill our lives with your goodness, your grace, and your presence. Lord, for those who, who need to accept Jesus as their Savior, I pray that they would do that before this day ends. And then, dear Lord, for all of us, the rest of us, may we put into practice this simple six-step process of hearing from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. If you would, hang with me just for a second. I've got a few things I want to share with you. Thanks again for being here today. When you walk out the back doors, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. If you're a guest today, fill out a Connect card. We have a gift for you at the Connect counter right there. C groups are about to kick off again. In fact, next Sunday, we're going to have sign-ups for our next C group session. It's going to be a six-week session this time, only six weeks. We're going to talk about understanding spiritual gifts. Whenever you get saved, God gives you a spiritual gift. We're going to discover what those gifts are, and uh, hopefully you'll discover what your gift is and how you can implement and use that gift at Kavanaugh Church. We're going to be starting this study in the month of February. We'll go into March. It's only six weeks. Then we're going to take a little break. And after Easter, we're going to have another four-week C group session. So look forward to that. Uh, This past week, we lost one of our dear church members, a a precious sister, uh, Janelle Swearingen. Her husband, Brother Ken, comes to first service. Uh, Janelle was uh, sisters with Frida Almond, and they were two peas in a pod. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, godly lady, Miss Janelle. We're going to celebrate her life this Thursday right here at Cavanaugh Church at 10 a.m. So if you can make that funeral, I know uh, Brother Ken would appreciate it, and uh, you would be an inspiration to him. I've got a bunch of cards. I'm not much of a reader, but I'm going to do my best, okay? Dearest Cavanaugh Church family, thank you. Thank you so very much for all the calls, cards, prayers, food, love, and support during the loss of my mom. I know that God's plan is much better than mine. I am blessed to call Kavanaugh my church for life. Love you all. This is from Darla Melton and her family. Still praying for her. Here's another one to our Kavanaugh Church family. We appreciate so much your outpouring of love and kindness to us this past week. Those who sent cards, texts, flowers, and food, we thank you. So many have prayed for us, and we felt those prayers. Thank you to those who came to the visitation and service for Virgil's mom. For everything, we just thank you all so much. We love our church family, and this is our church for life. Virgil and Fran Rainwater, love you guys. Praying for y'all. Here's one that says, I would like to thank everyone for their thoughts and prayers for my recent two surgeries and recovery. The poinsettia was beautiful and brightened my day. I'm so thankful for my church family and for our pastoral staff. May our Lord and Savior bless each one of you in Christ's love. Brother Austin Rowe. Austin sitting right back there. He's looking good today. Give Austin a big hand, man. He's had a tough go of it, but he's doing great. Dear Kavanaugh Church, thank you so very much for your kindness to Pat and myself during his hospital stay and at-home rehab. The plant that you sent was so beautiful. Most of all, your prayers, calls, visits were so uplifting. We love you all. This is from Pat and Donna Biggerstaff. Pat fell and broke his uh, hip and is recovering and doing better. Keep praying for him. One last card. Matt, you ready? Matt, you ready here? Help me out here, buddy. Uh, on behalf of 
Isla, in how many cases? Isla del Encanto. Isla del Encanto. Isla del Encanto. Isla del Encanto. That's enough. (laughs) Ministries. I would like to offer our sincerest gratitude to the staff and members of Kavanaugh Church. The outpouring of love and support for the shared mission of Puerto Rico is so overwhelming. The, The church and Pastor Jose and his family are extremely grateful to have a church family here at Kavanaugh that loves them as well. In Christ, from Matt Ortega. Thank you, Matt. And, and you're probably wondering, okay, what, what did our chili supper pie auction do? Well, it raised over $14,000. Isn't that amazing? $14,000. It's going to help our two missions teams who will be traveling to Puerto Rico next month. Man, I, let me say thank you. It was, it was a great experience. I, I, man, I feel really bad because I said something when the two auctioneers were up on the stage. They were all wearing their cowboy stuff, and, and there I was with my shirt untucked, and I had my cowboy hat on, and I got up there and smarted off and said, who's the best-looking cowboy on the stage? And there was just total silence out there. Well, it's because those guys looked so good. I mean, they were the real deal. And what an auctioneer our auctioneer was. Man, he was, he was the best. He... He, he motivated you to pay $400, $450 for a pie. Yeah, well, yeah. Or, or 12 cinnamon rolls. $450 for 12 cinnamon rolls? But you know what? They were great. Weren't they great? And I want to thank, thank you for, for coming, for supporting, and for just forking out the dough for those pies and, and uh, cakes and, and cinnamon rolls. Fantastic. It was great. Well, you know what? I love you. Hope you have a great day. Stay close to Jesus. Read his word every day because we're going we're gonna to read it together, right? Right here in 23. Stay out of trouble. Get out of here.